episode 38 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies, everyone. Sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 20% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. My name is Milton Campus. I'm a purple belt out of Fight Sports Coral Springs. You can check me out on Instagram at UncleMiltyBJJ. Just me and Bo again today. Uh, We're going to be joined in just a few minutes by Submit the Stigma founder and black belt, Erin Hurley. So stay tuned. Uh, We're also sponsored by Technique.io. Think Cameo for Martial Artists. You can upload your training or competition videos and get professional feedback on your technique. Uh, pros include Robert Drysdale, Rob from McDojo, former UFC fighter Elliot Marshall. Uh, today's podcast guest, Aaron Hurley's on there as well. Uh, we're there. You want to upload your competition or, or training video. We we'll, may actually, not every single video, but we'll actually review some of them on the show. Uh, you'll be a segment on the show if you submit, Okay. Uh, if you choose us, make sure you understand that we're probably going to make fun of you a little bit. We're going to take a little <laughs> bit of a funny take on it, so I'm just going to warn you now. Uh, we have our, our like, again, when you think in terms of Cameo, you know, you're paying five bucks, you upload, and uh, and we'll review. Legitimate Huge. review in there, but there's, <laughs> there's commentary. Huge shout out to Flow and Roll, at Flow underscore N underscore Roll on Instagram. Get 20% off your online t-shirt, rash guard, or gear order with code JJD at flowenroll.com. Always go and check out their Instagram. They've got tons of custom work there. You can see what other team, what, what they've done for other teams. Uh, it's incredible stuff. Um, shout out to our Patreon podcast supporters, including our newest gym sponsors, Carlson Gracie Broward County in North Lauderdale, Florida. You can check them out at carlsongraciebrowardcounty.com. Go check them out and tell Big J that uh, Milton and the Dummy sent you. John Way Martial Arts in Plantation, Florida. That's johnwaymartialarts.com. They feature Wing Chun, Kung Fu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai. I mean, the list goes on and on. MMA, conditioning, uh, classes for children, teens, and adults. They, they have it all. Um, podcast patrons include Robert Walker, Frank House, Wilsey Rivera, Boa Athletics. Check them out at on IG at BOA underscore athletics, Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Britt Tavar, James Fisher, CJ Carroll, Mission 22, Chuck Reddor, Roberto Santiago. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show and what these guys are supporting the show and getting on their end is not only an awesome podcast, but uh, you also get entered to win up to $100 worth of jujitsu uh, swag every single month. So what's jujitsu swag? Stuff from our podcast store, uh, CBD from, from Fightback. Uh, last month, High Road BJJ gave away some, gave away some, uh, some T-shirts and some uh, B, uh, jujitsu gear uh, to Britt Tavar. So lots of cool stuff like that. If you submit questions to the show, you're also automatically entered into those drawings as well. So uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share wherever you're watching or listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to click the bell. Bing! <laughs> and uh, you'll <laughs> get notifications each time. <laughs> That's your new job, though. <laughs> I'm not paying you anymore Bing! for that. Uh, <laughs> you'll get notifications each time we launch a new video. All right, guys. We're running through that fast because we got Aaron waiting in the wings. Let's get Aaron in here, Bo. Let's cool. do it. 
Okay, we're back. Everybody joining us today is writer, fighter, mental health advocate, uh, founder of Submit the Stigma, and jujitsu back black belt, Erin Hurley. Welcome, Erin. <laughs> that's a lot there. <laughs> I, I think that's my longest intro. That you've you've got you've got a lot going on, so we've got plenty to talk about today. Oh yes, oh yes. So I was on your website actually a little bit yesterday and this morning, and I, and um, I mean you really do have a lot going on. I know we spoke a little bit. Let, let's start from kind of pick up the conversation from when we left off on the phone. Um, you were traveling a bit. Were you in Canada when we spoke? You're yeah. in Canada. Are you back home? I am. I'm in LA now. You're in LA. And how are things yeah. there? I know, oh God. I mean, if you listen to, if you listen to podcasts, it's at like it's the I end know. of the world in LA. How is it really? Um, really? They, they've, they've loosened up restrictions mm. mostly because of uh, Newsom being recalled, you know, our governor. Mm. So, he uh, kind of opened stuff up and the vaccinations are everywhere. Like Disneyland, my, my college, uh, Dodger Stadium, they're all vaccination sites now. Oh. So they're really pumping that out. But um, it's funny because I was in lockdown here in December and I did my whole EMT program and I didn't train. I didn't do anything because if, if I got sick at all and missed a class or God forbid I got COVID and spread or something, the whole program would be shut down or I'd get kicked out. So it was just sort of like, all right, four and a half months of just intense, you know, emergency medical technician, get it done, wanted to go into fire. So uh, finally, I, I, I got done with that. And then I went to um, Canada to be with my boyfriend, and I had to get its whole exemption under extended family. Mm -hmm. um, we had to get a, a notarized form with a whole thing from the, yeah, the border control of Canada. And so they yeah. let me go through. I got there. Uh, I did my two week quarantine and it was the day after Christmas and it went on lockdown there. So oh. it was like our only fun was either like walking in the snow to Tim Hortons or like, <laughs> like getting a ride to Walmart. You know? <laughs> Walmart was like the most exciting thing. And I think it's still kind of on lockdown. It's like starting to to let out. But then I got back here because my mom's moving. Uh, I live with my mom. So I, it's like, this is my childhood home. I've been here for mm. 22 years. Um, and we're finally moving on and my mom's going to have her own place and it's easier to maintain. And I'm like, that's my mom's house. It's time yeah. for me to move on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's go back to EMT. You, you okay. were able to complete that, that those courses. Okay. And, and what's next on the agenda for you? You mentioned fire as well. I mean, down here in, in, in Florida, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're an EMT. You have to be an EMT to, 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 you know, be part of the fire department. That wasn't always, I'm from New York originally. It wasn't like that on Long Island. Uh, I'm not sure it was you like that in say. the city. You don't say. You're from New York. <laughs> hey, how you doing? We're sharing some coffee. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Awesome. Are, are we that obvious? Yeah. So in LA, it's, it's, you have to have the EMT prior to your appointment into the academy for firefighting. Mm, yeah. um, now, places on the East Coast will actually do it with, as part of the program. So okay. if you go through a recruit program, they are the ones that will get you certified. Mm -hmm. And it's just part of that, you know, whatever it is, 16 week academy. Um, but you get paid. So yeah. as soon as you're in the academy, you're getting paid okay. to, to learn versus, you know, with LA, they're like, you know, we have so many applicants, right? And so a lot of the West Coast is just do the EMT and you don't actually have to work as an EMT, but as long as you have the certification. So mm -hmm. my idea was like, I'm not going to do EMT as a job because I did the class 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I actually got my certificate 10 years to the day oh, wow. of, of the class. Mm -hmm. So it was my second time coming around 
And before I didn't even take the national test. So I never got certified. So now I actually went through with it. I'm certified by the NREMT. I just sent in my application to work within the LA County. And from there, you know, I might work as one or I might just continue on with something else because that's what I do. <laughs> I just kind of accrue talents and accrue yeah. skills. And then I just sort of go, okay, that's got too hard. <laughs> so you, so you said you did it 10 years ago. So you had gotten started on, you started on that path and then did, you backed away from it. You know, I did because I was a blue belt at the time. Okay. I was a new blue belt. And by that, I was like, I was just, I love jujitsu. This is amazing. I was training with um, Hong yeah, Jiu-Jitsu does it again. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so what's more important, you know, like jujitsu or like anything else? And I'm like, I was what I think I was like 21. Yeah, I was 21 at the time. So it for me, it was more like, you know, this is really something that I finally found that I love, which was mm. jujitsu. And I was in college, I was taking psychology, and then I changed to sociology. And then I was like, you know what, screw this, I'm gonna do the EMT. Then I realized you get paid minimum wage to sit in an ambulance. Uh, you know, in a parking lot for 12 hour shifts. Mm. Um, and you don't really get to do anything cool because in California, you can only be EMT basic. There's no advanced EMT. They don't recognize that. So I can't do IVs. I can't um, administer medications unless it's prescribed to them. And it's, there's only like five that I could do. So it's very limiting. And mm. when we go on a call, it's the EMTs, it's the paramedics, it's the police, it's the firefighters. So really, if unless I'm the first one on, on the scene, it's like, I don't really get to do that much. It's kind of yeah. like more of the, the bitch work of it. But yeah. um, it, it's a stepping stone. It's not really meant to be a career. And it's a great stepping stone. You can become an EMT as an ER tech in the hospital, okay. go into nursing, or you go into fire, or you go into paramedic, or, you know, there's so many avenues. It's just not meant to be like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Um, mm -hmm. So I get that. But in, in, you know, 2010, when I took the class, I was a blue belt, I was competing, um, and then not much long, I think it was only a little bit later, I think like maybe six months later, I switched and I went to Cobrians. So mm -hmm. I started training more full-time with Cobrians, which is like an hour. It can be up to an hour away. It's in Hollywood and I'm in the Valley. So if you know LA at all, it's all traffic. So yeah. I had made my commitment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you talked about Co Cobrinha. Mm -hmm. So you've also, you've trained in New York under yes. Marcelo Cohen. I mean, these are obviously, these are big names. These are names, yeah. uh, you know, for our younger listeners, younger in jujitsu listeners, you will know yeah, these right. names if you don't already look them up. Uh, but I mean, this isn't a, these are amazing people to, to, to be learning from. Um, yes. so tell me about your time in New York. So did it was two years? Yeah, it was two years. So when I moved, um, I actually finally finished college. It took me seven years, but I finished. But prior to that, I started dating uh, Gianni Grippo. So we were having this relationship um, long distance, but we would meet up. So if he was, I remember one time he was doing a seminar and they paid for me to come out in Costa Rica, or we would meet in Abu Dhabi because we both had the tickets to go there, or we'd meet in Dallas open, you know, it'd just yeah. be, I was working for Gracie Mag at the time. Okay. So, I mean, I was full on jujitsu. And then I moved as soon as I got out of college in 2014 during that summer, we moved to, to Brooklyn and then stayed there for like three months and then found a place in New Jersey. And just from there, it was training with Marcelo Garcia is, um, you know, I was one of the main like, sponsored athletes there. So it was amazing to be included with such high level. Um, you have like Mateos Denise, you have, uh, Jonathan Sateva, which I'll say his name right, even though I call him Sateva. Um, <laughs> and he has his own gym now, you know. 
Um, so yeah, Tonoko, I mean, you just have so many people there. There's even female black belts. And so it was the greatest time to just do jujitsu full-time. And mm -hmm. with Gianni teaching seminars, I took over as managing. I would be the one negotiating everything, planning everything, oh, wow. planning the travel. So yeah, it was, it was literally just all jujitsu in New York city, carrying the wet geese on my back. Yeah. Oh, every wow. day. Taking so the train in. When I was a white belt, I'm a purple belt now. I'm going on seven years in. Uh, started very late. I'm, I'm I'm 47. Started when I was 41, and I used to search for. I don't know how I came across Mar Marcelo Garcia. I don't know how I came across this. But, oh, I oh I know the story. So, um, I used to search like sneaky BJJ submissions was my thing. Uh, sneaky. As, <laughs> sneaky. I had it was sneaky BJJ. I wanted to like the little quick stuff. Uh, my yeah. my coach was really big. He was uh probably five eight two sixty five. I'm five eleven two thirty five. So you know he black belt smashing me. I'm a white belt. You know yeah. uh, family friend. So you know he was nice, but not not too nice. And so I used to ser search those. I did my first uh, my first tournament at white belt, and in my first nogi match, I basically was doing what I thought was a north south, but I basically put my my stomach on this guy's face, and he tapped really quick. This was like, I was like maybe six months as a white belt. He was definitely like two months or, or less. And I was like, wow, that that's really an awesome position for me. So then I started looking up along with my sneaky BJJ submission searches. I was looking for North South stuff and boom, Marcelo yep. Garcia is right there. So I have watched the same Marcelo Garcia video because you could watch it a million times and pick up like the tiniest little details. So that's my Mar Marcelo Garcia story. I, I love I love, love, love that move. And that's like now I'm teaching it to like some of the younger guys and, and the newer guys right. in my gym. But it's my favorite position. So anyway, so um, let, let's let's take a, a take a step back a little bit because we can't forget about kind of COVID and uh, it's so kind of relevant to kind yeah. of you know, talking about cement the stigma and just what people are going through right now. So tell me about your last year, you know, as it relates to COVID and jujitsu, kind of tell us about your little journey just in the past year. So it's kind of crazy that I've, I've literally become a different person. Mm. <laughs> um, you said that to I, me on the phone and it's, it's stuck out to me that you really yeah. haven't been able to do jujitsu and it's, you know, it's, well, go ahead. So I'll, let, I'll, get, I'll let you tell I the I have ADHD. So naturally I start things and I don't finish them, but I'm also very curious and I like, I will work so hard if it's something that I am passionate about. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's, it, it, that rings true for a lot of people, but for ADHD people doing the monotonous things like laundry and cleaning dishes and like, you know, balancing a checkbook, even though that doesn't really, you know, work these days, but you know, it's, 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 it's beyond boring. Mm -hmm. It's literally, I cannot get my brain to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I could sit there on the couch all day and think I should do this. I should do that. I won't do it but I'll also not just relax the whole time. I'm thinking about, I should do this. I should do this. And it ruins the whole relaxation period anyways. Mm -hmm. So when I started um, last year, actually what a year ago, exactly. Um, I was still doing seminars. I was dating my Canadian boyfriend and I went there for new years. And then I did an East coast tour um, of seminars. Then I went to Florida at the end of January and February. Um, I also, I did a seminar somewhere else. It, it seriously feels so long ago. So I was teaching seminars and I was training MMA. I had my first MMA fight in um, November, 2019. So 
that would, that took a year to finally get an opponent. It was actually an old training partner. Mm -hmm. And I had already switched gyms, um, at dynamics with Anthony Hardonk, Dutch kickboxing. They have, you know, all MMA. It's amazing. They literally, like they babied me through the whole situation. When I found out that my opponent was an old training partner, they're like, all right, so you're going to fight or you're not going to fight. You know, like my coach gave me this whole talk and said, you are enough. And I was like, holy shit. I've never had anyone say that to me in terms of being a coach. It's always just, did you train hard enough? Did you, you know, is your weight good? All those things. So, um, I was really looking forward to starting this career and feeling really comfortable. And I wanted to go pro. I mean, it was sort of loose. It was like, all right, depends on if I get a fight. And again, if I do the Muay Thai open in Arizona, which I had actually signed up to do, um, in the novice level, cause yeah, I'm just going to get experience everywhere. And, um, yeah. And then obviously COVID happened and the gym was shut down for a couple of weeks and it was like, okay, all right, that's fine. And then I had actually, um, right when COVID happened, it was right before pants. I signed up for pants and I hadn't really competed much, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back into it. So not only was I planning to go pro and MMA, I was also going to get back on the circuit and compete, even if it was a masters to get back. And then everything shut down. It was like, you sit there for a while and you're like, this is fine. This is fine. I did puzzles. It's a lot of puzzles. In fact, on my Instagram, if you followed me, it was like puzzle number 22, <laughs> number 33, <laughs> thousand piece puzzles. I would do them in a day wow. because I had to just get my mind off of it. So right in the beginning, um, when they first shut things down, I was supposed to have Valerie Brousseau, who was helping me with Smith the Stigma. I was going to have my boyfriend, Nick, come and he was going to help out and he was going to go compete in pans. Christina Barlon, who was also going to be like a, um, an ambassador and instructor for Smith the Stigma and my sister. So Val, who actually is really certified, she's a mental coach and she worked with a psychologist to create a manual for corporate businesses and how to include mental health. And all she did was, you know, translate it into uh, jujitsu because mm -hmm. she's a purple belt. So she understands both. And so with this booklet, instructor booklet, I went out, printed them out. She was going to come, you know, and then, you know, she couldn't come because, you know, the quarantine happened and she goes, I can't miss out on work and, you know, things are iffy. And then my mom didn't really want people there. And, you know, with Christina coming down, all that stuff. So it actually got canceled. We're like, you know, no problem. You know, it'll, it'll get, it'll get down to the business because we wanted to be, we wanted to have a certification for instructors and academy owners to know what to do in a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people that suffer from mental illness um in in jujitsu because it is such like a, a, a you grow a lot you have mm -hmm. a lot of adversity okay. right and so you're going to face a lot of internal things um whether that it, it is past trauma whether it is a mental illness or if it just happens to be a stressful time in your life like you don't need a mental health diagnosis to experience anxiety experience grief loss um all of those things um, they can be a really uh, instant thing when you're driving, you know, so you just slam on your brakes and your heart starts going, you know, um, or you could live with that like I do. <laughs> it just happens anytime. So you have the ability and spit the stigma to, to teach people about this. And I was like, oh my God, like I've kind of become a resource for people to connect the two, mental health and jujitsu, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, all right, well, why don't I actually use that to educate people? So we were going to create this whole network. Um, and then it got shut down and, and it just sort of never came about uh, because everything got put on hold because the whole thing about COVID was on hold. It was never, this is canceled, anything. Yeah. I mean, if you had an event planned, if you had a, you know, anything, it was always a wedding. You, you were like, all right, we're going to put it on hold and then we're going to do it later. And it's like, when's later? It's almost when worse than it canceling it, right? Just the, the unknown of when is it going to happen? I don't know when it's going to happen. 
you know, give me yeah. an idea. I, I'm such a schedule-based person. My whole day is I'm doing this at this time. I'm doing this meeting at this time. I'm doing right. the podcast at this time. So that that's very things like that are hard for me to dif, uh, to to deal with. Very difficult for me to deal with. I need to know what's going to happen. You know, in the next five minutes, the next hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I work better out, that way. Right? I live better that way. Yeah. Yeah, everyone does, especially someone with ADHD or anything like or anything. I mean, it's just it's you never realize as you get to be an adult and I don't even have full adult responsibilities. I still live with my mom. Um, <laughs> but you realize that's like, how do they do it? How do you do it? How do you, I mean, just being an athlete, how do you uh, make sure you have the right food to eat? You know, whether you have it delivered or it's meal prep or you make it, you know, or you go to the store and you buy it or you eat out and then you have to do the laundry. And if you're training, it's a lot of laundry. Mm. Um, and then it's taking care of life stuff. Like it's my car registration paid for. Um, oh man, did I get gas in the morning? It's everything. Imagine people with kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure you would know. It's just, mm. how do you manage yeah. everything? Ah. It's literally impossible. Ah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So that's how it feels. And then, you know, for COVID, it's just like, wait, so I'm the hero for sitting on my couch. And then I sat there and I was like, I don't have a purpose. I'm like a dog. Like I need a job. Um, of course I haven't had a real job since 2012. So job is sort of like a stretch, but it's just I a job if you're competing and making money, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a job. I've tried to tell so, my wife that. But. <laughs> right. I've been trying to tell my it's mom a job. that. It's a job. Like, this isn't a hobby. It's a job. Yeah. I swear. I come home with cash sometimes. <laughs> There's sometimes cash in my pocket. Um, so I need to have everything that's like uh, in front of me to look forward to. And I had mm. nothing. And it wasn't just nothing. It was literally like, I have no idea when anything is going to, to come back. Yeah, um, I yeah. still don't, right? No one really, really knows unless you're in Florida and they're just like, ah, do what you want. Whatever. <laughs> I just came back from Key West. Oh, God. I came back with I a cold, been- not COVID. I came back with a cold, though. So, yeah. Mm, so, cold to be. yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not having anything. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, well, since I, I can't rely on jujitsu because now it's illegal. And that's how I was making my money. And that's the career I was going to take. I was going to go into MMA or I was going to open a gym, things like this. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, these are just out. They're just out right now. Cause I don't know when I'm going to come back. So then I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to be a responsible adult and I'm going to find a career. And I watched, um, King of, uh, King of Staten Island with Pete mm-hmm. Davidson. Mm-hmm. And it's like semi autobiographical because he, his dad died in 9 11. He was a firefighter. Yeah. And right in the beginning, they make dead dad jokes. And, um, for me, you know, it's been five years since my dad passed and I've done a lot, a lot of processing since, cause it was suicide and it was a lot of trauma growing up and, and just, we didn't get along too well. So I'm still processing all of those things, but I can still find humor. Um, so they're like, you know, if anyone's seen the movie, it, it they say like, uh, knock, knock, like, who's there? Not your dad. And he's like, because he's dead, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's just, that's my humor, right? Cause that's yeah. you, if you know any police, you, 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 you handle it that way. You're okay with that. You were okay now. with that humor. You I do were, now. Okay. I actually, my sister bet me $50, uh, two weeks ago to, uh, ask my mom if she found us a new dad. Um, cause she met someone and we just joke with her all the time. That's my kind of humor too. That's I will pay you 50 bucks. So I text my mom and I'm like, did you find me a Morgan and new dad? She's like, what the fuck? Like what? So, I, can handle, yeah. like, I can handle that humor. I don't know that my mom could. I, I'm right, definitely right. So that kind of humor. It's, it's how you deal. It's how yeah. a lot of, um, you know, law enforcement deals with stuff. My too, dad was and, a cop. Yep. That's okay, where I got so my sense of humor from. 
like yeah. sick humor, right? Because like, what am I gonna do? Cry about it? No, yeah. I'd rather laugh. It's a know? coping so, mechanism for it is. For, it for, is for anybody who's you know we have a lot of military people involved with the show. Uh, we're uh, we defy ambassadors. The show is mm-hmm. I am a couple of my co-hosts. Uh, so yeah, you know, and and just train. I mean, you're if you're in jujitsu, if you're doing jujitsu anywhere, you're going to meet a lot of military people, and they're yes. using it a lot for for PTSD and things like that. Absolutely, so, you absolutely. Know, we get it. Humor absolutely. and sarcasm yeah. are the saviors of and life. So, yeah, I mean, I love sarcasm. It's just like how I how I talk. I think also because I'm a pretty blunt person, and I've learned that I can't be super blunt all the time mm-hmm. um, because people, you know, have manners and they. <laughs> But my producer and I were just talking about that before the show. We were talking about just kind of our humor. And it's just like, we'll just say we we have similar senses of humor. So it's why we get along. We'll Mm -hmm. just say the most outrageous thing with a straight face. And then like some people will get it and some people won't. Some people will realize you're joking and some people will be like, oh my God, are they, are they, but we we crack up at those reactions. Yeah. The reaction is where we find (laughs) the humor, you know? It's why I don't get along with dry humor because they say things and they don't laugh. And I'm like, where's my cue to yeah. laugh? So I laugh at everything I say because I'm the funniest person I know. So it's like, if I laugh, I'm like, oh, it's cool. You're okay. Yeah. It's Your dad's dead, but like, yeah. you're cool with it. Yeah. Literally, my boyfriend and I play this game where someone will say something and it comes up. It's like, oh, my cat died. And Nick will be like, you know, Aaron's dad's dead. Oh my God. <laughs> just up because it makes them so awkward. I, I'm dying to know something. Does is uh, You've mentioned your boyfriend a lot. Does he train jujitsu? He you does. You, oh, he drinks jujitsu as well. Okay. He does. Uh, he he wooed me with memes. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm good Tell me more. You know how like people are like, you know, I love this quote, and then they say this quote. Um, I'll be like, have you seen that meme going around that says this? I changed my life because of it. <laughs> you know, I changed my career path because of it. How um, important is that for you? I actually have some questions from men. For yeah. that, that I posted uh, that when I posted for questions from men that are t- asking about like how do I get my wife into jujitsu? How important is it? Do you think for you personally? Let's start there to okay. be dating somebody that does jujitsu. Was is it um, like is it is it a factor for you? It was a prerequisite for yeah. a very long time because especially not being a black like when you're a black belt, it's different because you're like you don't get like fanboy anymore. You don't, you know what I mean? You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, all right, I've been in this for a long time. I've yeah. met a lot of people. I know all the people, you know, but when you're coming up, it's like, Oh my God, there's so-and-so and wow. There's the, I want to be just like her. And so yeah. they, he still has that. He's a blue belt. Okay. Should be a purple belt. Um, and I've told him this, but you know, COVID, mm-hmm. but um, he, he sent me memes. So he would start sending memes and I randomly was like having boy trouble. Um, and I was texting him and he's like, basically like he sent, he sent me like, yeah, get that D, you know? And I was like, thanks, man. Thanks so much. And we were, we were buddies and he was sending me memes. And then I would send him memes and we would talk a little bit here and there. And then I realized you're in Niagara Falls. And I'd always wanted to go to Niagara Falls. I had this ex that, that had a, had family up there and we had this whole trip plan and we broke up. So it was one of those things I just always wanted to go. And he was like, yeah, I live in the falls. And I was like, that sounds so cool. The falls. So he he's, he's like, yeah, I train at this gym. Falls. And he goes, we just had Fion. Fion Davies out. And I'm like, oh, so you guys, you you do seminars. I'm like, well, the only way that I travel normally, people would be like, hey, you want to come here? And I'm like, get me a seminar to, like, to pay for it. And I'm, I'm there. So I was already visiting my friend Val in Toronto. And um, I took the train down and did a seminar at his gym. And from then on, we, you know, just that weekend, we hung out like 24 seven during those three days and we got along. And then I came back two weeks later and just, it started yeah. <laughs> sort of dating. And then 
you know, I was seeing it like every month. And then of course, I never ever would have expected to be in a relationship with like a long distance relationship I've had, but to be, have him in another country where the border is closed. Mm -hmm. Like if you would have told me, be careful, you know, the border is going to close soon. I'd be like, what? That's never happened. Like, you know, so it's been a serious process, but through it all, I mean, we've really, really, really gotten to know each other better. Since you've done jujitsu, have you dated anybody that didn't do jujitsu? And, and I have a point to this question because it, it, I'm going to kind of talk about my wife in a second, but have you ever dated somebody that, that didn't do jujitsu since you started jujitsu? Never. And maybe when I was a white belt. Yeah. yeah. But no, I've told, <laughs> this, hard. I, hard. I told this story before. Yeah. You know, I told the story before and I, I wasn't joking when, you know, I was talking about, um, I was kind of joking about, uh, telling them you can make money from this. You know, I have, mm-hmm. I have a day job. I am, I'm, I worked in the marketing for field you. for a really long time. <laughs> um, it's why again, sounds like a broken record to our listeners, but it's why the podcast is successful because we've marketed it correctly. We didn't just put it out and hope that it, you know, it, it go fly a young little podcast. You know, yeah. it, it, just, it just doesn't work like that. A lot of people don't realize that we are probably one of the most successful podcasts that we, where we don't have a famous person involved with the show. You know, so, uh, you know, we, we were a round table of, of five or uh, three to four, maybe five people. And we just talk about jujitsu in a room. And that was the podcast. COVID mm-hmm. changed it to more of the interview style. I still, we're going to get back to that one day where we want you guys coming in. We want to have that round table and just people just like talking about jujitsu back and forth. But so when it, as it relates to my wife, and again, I've told this story before is I was training two hours a day, five, six days a week when I first started. And again, in my forties day job training two hours at night, going to open mats on the weekend. My wife was like, are you, this was my girlfriend at the time who I was living with. She said, are you crazy? This just can't happen like this. You're never home. And then she found kickboxing. So she got addicted to kick. So she couldn't get her to do jujitsu. She just never wanted it. it was not for her. She came and watched me train. She watched me compete. She just, it wasn't for her. But she just started going to all these, she just got into fitness. She wanted to get into fitness. She started doing yoga and Pilates. She tried everything. She found a love in kickboxing, which, you know, I always had a bag in the house and, you know, uh, you know, or see me at the gym or we'd go to the gym together. I'd hit the bag. She'd be doing the weights. And, but she found a place and she found what I found in jujitsu was the camaraderie. She has her little, she has a group of girls. She goes to, she goes to train on Saturdays and Sundays and they go out to lunch afterwards. She found what I found and now she understands it. If it wasn't for that, we would still have friction about jujitsu. Now it's like, you're not going to train today? You should go train. Well, why don't you get with your friends? Because <laughs> it, it, she encourages me. And it, But if it wasn't for that, it would be very different. We'd have a lot of friction in our relationship. Or, you know, I would have had to quit jujitsu or quit her. You yep. know, we, it, yep. th- th- that was kind of almost on the table at a point where, but then, then she got into it. So, again, that's why I was asking the question because, you know, it, it is very difficult to... You could do jujitsu, but for jujitsu to consume so much of your life, I have again the day job, the, the t-shirt website, the mm-hmm. podcast. There's a lot of work that goes into the podcast. We started a foundation, and now she understands that passion. And without that, it would it would be very difficult to do those things. And now she's you know one of my biggest supporters. So um, again, on, on the the reason for the question is I always like to understand other people's relationships, and if they've gone yeah. through what I have. And if they yes. see the same thing, it's very difficult to to be so passionate about something and then for the other person to totally not understand it. Well, you, you struck know? out with that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was thinking of the grandiose idea of my life, I'm like, well, I can't, I don't think I could ever date someone who worked a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, unless, unless it was like further down the line, but with my uh, gallivanting and nomading around the world, it was like, I'm not the type of person that's going to wait until, you, you know, my, my man comes home. Mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. to be with my, my men all the time. It's just how I am. I like them to be like my best friends. So I was like, well, I'd be open to, you know, someone who was really competitive in like CrossFit or, or, or rock climbing or something to that effect that had a community and similar. So it's not like I was like, I have to have someone who does jujitsu because obviously that's get, that gets complicated. It's mm -hmm. going to have to be like a long distance relationship because you can't date within the gym because that screws up everything. Mm -hmm. um, so having someone that could be passionate about something like your wife uh, was really important. And it just, of course, I don't. I didn't really leave the jujitsu world. So it's not like I would really run into anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, if, if, if that, I really, I dated someone who was an MMA, who was in the UFC and it was like, I learned a lot. And I think that also attributed to my, my transition to MMA because I saw the lifestyle and being very like interesting and having something new to train every day. Um, but having, being a girl is very difficult because we are looked down upon if we hook up with anyone in the, in, in the jujitsu community, or if we lust after any of them, right? Um, it's different if it's instructor, right? That's completely different in your gym, all that stuff. But I mean, if you, being a female and you see these hot men around you that are single and like really trying to get rid of their testosterone um, and, you know, <laughs> they're just, they're, they're going to ask you out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very, very easy to say yes. Mm -hmm. And I think um, having that with a, with a female, it's like, it's like, you can't really be mad at us you can't say that we're the maria tatami or whatever you want to call us because i mean if you were surrounded by hot dudes all the time in the competition scene and they wanted to get to know you a little more like there's really nothing wrong with that um it just so happens that there are a lot of hot men in jujitsu and there's you know so many females Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> i never had there i are... never had these problems i never I never experienced. There is a wave, and especially with me being like always wanting to be known, I always wanted to be someone in jujitsu, and so you know, then I'm interviewing all the best guys, and then I'm traveling to freaking China to go follow ADCC for Gracie Mag, or Abu Dhabi, or this or that, you know. So when you're in the community and there's other people there, yes. So that's another aspect. Being a female in jujitsu has its own kind of things that are more difficult than, than a man um, when it comes to mixing life and jujitsu. Mm -hmm. um, not many people understand, right? And you mm -hmm. can attest to that, mm -hmm. just people in general, men, women, family members, some of them just don't understand. So imagine trying to date someone who doesn't understand. I did it. Um, yeah. I did it. Uh, you know, we wound up getting married. Uh, and again, thankfully, she found something in it. You know, I still do a lot more jujitsu and jujitsu related things than she does kickboxing related things. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's still, we're still kind of that, like, you know, spend more family time, you know. So I still get that, you know, it's just like any other relationship. We, yeah. we spend time together. Um, yeah. You know, I, I definitely wish she would and have invited her to be more involved in the show. And maybe you can help with it's not her cup of tea. She just doesn't want to. But again, she, if, if it wasn't that she found that and she it was equally as passionate about a martial art, I, it, things would, would continue to have been difficult. But I, I, I was definitely lucky. Let, let me take a step back real quick. So um, when, what got you into jiu-jitsu? Did you ever do any other martial arts before jiu-jitsu? What, what, how did you get your start? Uh, I was a hardcore music enthusiast. And I, I always was kind of like 
intense. Okay. I've always been an intense person. And that's also because I had mental illness and didn't know it. Um, but there's, you know, something about hardcore. It's like, I like hardcore punk, right? And so punk, you think like black flag, minor threat, things like that, who are usually it's political, you know, but they're basically screaming about injustices mm -hmm. and stuff. So that, that I found was very passionate and there was obviously more men than women. So, mm -hmm. um, I was okay with that. And I would go to shows and there was this uh, record label called B9 and they had a forum and it was where everyone just, it's kind of like shit posting all the time, but you still had a camaraderie. And there was a guy that was like, I'm doing a jujitsu tournament in California and I'm selling cookies to get myself out there. This is a 2008 hands. It's by Kenny Savercool who uh, still trains under Ryan Hall. And he was coming out and I was like, you know what? Do you want to hang out when you're out here? He's like, yeah, sure. So I picked him up in Hollywood, went back to the tournament to check up on like his, his teammates or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, whatever this weird wrestling sweaty dude stuff you do. <laughs> Soft females, the brown belt versus a black belt. And I, Cause of that, back then it was just combined. Um, and I was like, this is so cool. Like they look so tough and they're doing a man's thing. And I was like, that's really cool. So I didn't try it until a year later, um, but there was a gym right near my work and it just happened to be Hamala Bahal because hello, LA. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really very like spoiled from the beginning. And I started competing within three months um, and I just got, got hooked, you know, it was, just, it, was, it was so fun. And I think just having the influence of someone like Hamala who was already so deep into the competition scene, it was like, you, know, you, you look up to that person. You're like, I wanna be just like you. One time he goes, wow, you're so flexible. And immediately I was like, does that mean I'll be good? Am I, am I going to be good? <laughs> he's kind of like, uh, if you want to, tr like, if you, if you try hard, yeah. If you train a lot, sure. So I saw that my next stripe, you know, cause we had like the, uh, the attendance cards and it was like, you have this many until you get a stripe. So I counted how many days and I came in like two times a day. So I was like dead tired. I almost like passed out in class. He's like, dude, what? what are you doing? You know, like go rest. I was like, yeah. I'm going to get a stripe. He's like, that's a suggestion. It doesn't mean that you're just going to get it, you know? Yeah. So of course he delayed it for like a couple of weeks, but um, yeah. So it was always that something, that little thing to just drive for, whether it was the, the tournament or a belt or a position or, you know, things like that. It was always fun to, to have something new to, to challenge myself. And like, I felt really cool. You feel really cool when you do it. Um, so it wasn't like some weird LARPing stuff, yeah. you know, with like, <laughs> um, it was definitely something that you could like go tell your friends and they didn't really care, but you still felt like they should care. Cause it was like, no, no, no. I think but about you the meme. There's, there's always a meme. Um, I think it's from like the 300, like it shows like a guy putting on his gi and then a guy from like the, the movie, the 300, you know, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and I don't, I, I, I'm not even joking when I say I could feel really shitty and go put on my rash guard and be standing in front of the mirror and just catch myself and, and be like, I, you know, you feel it. This is this feeling that you Empowered. just want to, yeah, you feel like you have this power. What you're about to go do, you're about to battle with these other people and, you know, yeah. you know, quote unquote, kill each other or break each other's limbs. It's an amazing feeling. I still get that to this day. I mean, I, you know, put on the gi and it's just like, you know, you put that belt on and, you know, just, yeah, the, yeah. You know, you feel there's, so good about yourself. Feeling, I'm like, I look at myself and I go, so tough and, <laughs> yeah. and, and normally females don't want to be seen that way they don't really want to feel that way they might want to feel confident they mm -hmm. might want to feel like mm -mm, no man can talk to me that way mm -hmm. but i'm more like no i can beat people up oh you've like, got my I, wife I wanna, haven't you 
<laughs> really? <laughs> my, similar? my wife is my wife is more like don't don't you talk to me like that. I, I'm, yeah, a, yeah, I'm yeah. a strong woman. She has a, a she's had a bumper sticker on her car for years like uh, uh, like smile. You're you're following a, a woman. Something I forget. It, I, I'm not doing it justice, but like women empowerment bumper stickers on her yeah. car, and I was like, okay, yeah. All right. it, I know. I, to me, I, I took a long time to really embrace the women empowerment part because mm. I'm like, nah, dude, like, I don't want a pinky. I, I, I don't want to be a female in jujitsu. I just want to be an equal. Yeah. And I used to always say that, you know, you put the gi on and you're like androgynous, right? Yeah. Like for the most part, unless you got like some tight ass gi, you're just wearing a sports bra. I mean, I, I just blend in. I wanted to be one of the guys. So mm. I didn't really have that. Like, I want to be a, like a strong, powerful woman. It just so happened to be that I became one. Right. Um, And then it was like, oh, yeah, any woman that wants to do what I do, sure, do what I do. Like, it was never about being a singular female in a male dominated sport. It was always about, I feel tough and I want to beat people up. And I, you know, you kind of question yourself and you're like, am I just like a dyke lesbian? Am I, am I like, (laughs) you know, like I've had that conversation with myself so many times that I know it's not PC to say, but like you kind of get into that, you're like, man, I've been a tomboy for a long time. And I was like, no, I still like men. <laughs> you question them, like, who am I? What am I? I'm not like the typical female in a male, you know? Have, have you like, had to deal with the creepy guys in gyms? I mean, I've got oh, yeah. to assume that it's just a numbers game. It's going to uh, happen. There's a guy, Hector Vasquez. He owns the Cobrina affiliate in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he's got all the UFC fighters coming through there, training. He's, he's building up, you know, kids to be MMA fighters now um like Khabib stops by you know just really great guy he got his black belt so fast he was winning all the masters worlds Uh, he was small too but the first time he ever came in I was already like I knew the Cobrina system and he came and trained and I remember he was complimenting me because I partnered with him and he started complimenting like oh wow you do that sweep really well and and I got really creeped out because I'm like you're not supposed to compliment someone on the mat like I don't really like compliments that much as it is um, makes me feel weird. But when you start doing that, I'm like, dude, what do you, what is your intention? I don't even know you. So I went over to Cobrinas. I've done this before at like homilos, but never at Cobrinas. And I, it was time to roll. And I go, I don't want to roll with that guy. Like, he's just mm-hmm. making me feel weird. Like he likes me too much or something, you know, it turns out he ends up being one of the best training partners and beats me up. Like no problem. Makes me It was cry coming a from a genuine place. It wasn't coming from, he was, he yeah. was, but this is how he is, you know, yeah. whatever. And I, a weird feel but I mean there are times uh there was one time I rolled with a guy that I knew was a visitor at Marcello's and I said um no I didn't even say anything we just rolled we're doing specific training and I noticed that he wasn't able to pass my guard so he just used all this strength like like Gabby Garcia side control Kimura type of thing mm-hmm. um and then I, I went over to get some water and I talked to Paul Schreiner who was leading the class and I that guy's an asshole you know, cause I'm someone who lived at the gym. Right. So I wasn't speaking to a professor at that point. I was just speaking to like, just Paul, you know, I'm like, yeah. dude, that dude's a castle. And he goes, I think it's kind of awkward. He goes, then don't train with him. And I was like, okay. Following week, I get called into the office and Marcel was like, Aaron, you can't be calling people assholes who come into the gym. And I was like, I didn't say it to him. Yeah. I didn't. I'm just, you know, I just say stuff or whatever. But at the time it was like, it wasn't necessarily that my ego was hurt. It was just like, man, I can't deal with this ego thing because if you're going to, if you're going to get mad because I have some technique and you need to put in strength and all that stuff to try to like, to actually you know beat me and look cool in front of other people, I'm not the person to do that with. Yeah. I'm not the gym keeper or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, so yeah, there's just, there's, there's obviously instances, but 
it's learning how to be social, which I used to say, I wish I could do jujitsu alone because it's very hard to be social <laughs> with people. There's a lot of different personalities, a yeah. lot of different egos. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's when you roll with someone or when you do technique with someone, if you don't feel comfortable speaking and being like, Hey, did that feel right? Hey, did, did, do you think I should do this better? Like I've had people go, Oh, no. I'm like, well, you're useless, you know? See, that's like, um, you know, I, I talk about that being one of my favorite parts of jujitsu is, um, feedback. I, I, like feedback. I love coaching. Uh, I love training at my regular job. I've always like, uh, kind of just kind of f- fell into that role. Um, you know, just love to impart knowledge and not in a cocky way. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like, sometimes I want to grab somebody and be like, Oh my God, if I, I want to tell you this so bad because I know what I went through not knowing this, like, just take this. You're going to, it's going to help you. You know, I'm so yeah. eager to get, but that's why I love yeah. to train. And I love when somebody asks me questions. It's, it's one, I mean, other than the act of doing jujitsu, it's one of my favorite parts of jujitsu is right. uh, I'm in a, in a school now where we have a lot, of, we have a big kids program and a lot of those kids now uh, that he's had the program for, I mean, I've been with him five years, maybe like seven years, eight years since he's opened the school. Um, a lot of those kids that started at very young ages are becoming men or are, are 16 and joining our classes. And I love when the rolling with those guys, when they ask questions, you know, yeah. they'll ask, Hey, how did you do that? Or, Hey, did I do that? Like, I love that's again, that's my favorite part. I just love having that like conversation. The there. Yeah. 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 It's, I, it's you fun. know, you're rolling with someone and it could be someone that's a peer, you know, mm. and, uh, they almost got that pass. And then you were a, you, you knew what you had to do. You either yeah. escaped the knee or you got, you let go of that grip or whatever it was that, that saved you. And it takes two seconds to say, Hey man, you almost got that. If you would have just done this tiny thing, mm-hmm. you would have gotten that pass. And that might be the key. That's going to make sure that they complete that pass in future matches. Yeah. And I just think like it doesn't take that much. And maybe some people don't see things like we see things, you know, yeah. like where we can do that, where we can say, Oh, just this little fine tune is going to be good. Um, and a lot of people I've realized that they don't want to be coached during a role. They don't want to be coached after a role. Maybe they'll say, Hey, at, teach me later after the yeah. class. Or if I have a question, they're like, ask me after I'm not going to remember it. Yeah. I don't remember what I, happened. I actually now like, I'll, I'll actually, uh, as an, especially to adults, to other adults, my training partners, um, I'll never offer, I'll always ask if I can tell them something like, Hey, can I show you something? Do you, yeah. do you mind? And, and, and everybody knows me and you know, so many of my training partners have been on the show. So they know that like, I know that some people don't like to take information that way. Like they only want to hear it from the coach. I'm like, Hey, you're just a purple belt, whatever in my situation. So I'll let, do you mind if I show you something? I know not everybody likes to be coached. Do you mind? You know? And, uh, and most of the time, most of them will be like, yeah, okay. And there's a little part of me that's, um, like I want them to learn that because I want them to make it harder for me on the next role. If, if I can show you how to do that, then I got to get better at defending that in another way. Or if you get the pass, then you're putting me in a more awkward position. I do want you to get better. So there's like a, I'm, I'm at a loss for the word. It's like, uh, I'm punishing myself almost in a way, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to help them beat me or beat me up, you know, more or better later. So, uh, but, but I, again, I, I enjoy that, you know, uh, that? Ma- ma- masochistic, like, a, a, is that the word? Right. Like, you know, uh, masochist? I'm a masochist. Like I want them to do, yeah. I want them to hurt me. I want yeah. them to be able to, they, I want, I'm giving them the keys to the locks 
that somebody maybe didn't give me or it took me longer to learn and it's going to make me work harder. You know, it's a way uh-huh, of, uh-huh. Me, of, of making my training more difficult. So anyway, that, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the way I do it, but not everybody's good with that information. So, you know, I'm usually, it's I'm going to add, but that's, that's why I like the kid, like the, the, the guys, uh, we have a, a, a heavy female and male presence are, uh, I train in a fight sports in South Florida and it's mm-hmm. a husband wife uh, team, uh, Felipe and Sofia Amarante. Okay, yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. do you know Sophia? Do you know do you know the yeah. name? Okay. Yeah, so um so, so yeah, so we have a heavy female presence as well. So uh, you know, it's always you know, there's all these kids are coming up and you know, again I, I always I never ask a woman to roll this is me. I'll never ask a woman to I will let if a girl wants to roll with me, she can come roll with me. But I'll I'll never ask like I would ask another a blue a male blue belt. I don't know if that's right or wrong of me. But um, I, I used to, but then I kind of felt like I would hear from some of the girls like that they thought like a certain guy was like, hey, he's a little scuzzy or he smells. And I was like, maybe I'm going to stop <laughs> asking them to roll. I, but I'll, I'll always accept if they want to roll with me, I will roll with anyone, yeah. you know, kid, male, female, kid, whatever. But I stopped asking because I didn't want to be, I was like, am I, does it, I don't know how that comes across, even from a nice guy. Right. I've got two daughters, right. you know, I'm, you know, the, everybody knows that about me, but. I just stopped asking, but I'll let them, you know, approach me if they you're want to You're also bigger, right? So yes. it's that short. Kind of Sometimes large. people feel like if they ask you to roll that you're like, oh God, if I turn this down, either I'm a loser or I'm an asshole or, yeah. you know, there's various things that goes through your head uh, if you deny a roll. Um, and so that's kind of actually with, with lower belts asking higher belts. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm shy, but I'm, I'm, I'm shy, I guess, a little bit. Um, a little bit introverted, awkward, you know? So if I, if I haven't, if I haven't connected my awkwardness with your awkwardness, uh, I just, I get scared. And I just don't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my regular roles would literally be like, yo, Brian, get over here, you know, yeah. and we joke or whatever. But if it's someone new, it's like, man, what if I go to a visiting gym? I hate that they never asked me because mm-hmm. uh, even though I'm a black belt, I, I'm like, I don't know who to roll with. You should be- maybe I'll go to the professor and say, who, yeah. who would be a good role for me? Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to not be asked. So yeah, I get it. If you, if I'm teaching the class, uh, then I'm the professor, right? But if people call me professor, I get kind of like weirded out because mm-hmm. I don't teach regularly. I teach seminars, meaning mm-hmm. I go to entertain. I don't go yeah. to be your your coach, mm-hmm. right? Um, I coach you for the day. I may teach you what I know, but I don't know your journey, and you know, it's not my it's not part of my journey. So for me, especially when I go train somewhere else, I'm like, please ask me. I want you to ask me, like, I'll turn you down if, if there's sort of a reason, of course, I won't say it, say it in a, in a mean way. I'll usually be like, your geese stinks. Get off. away from me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just something, you know, um, and so I never smell your belt from here. That belt is horrible. <laughs> it's so pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the best compliment is, uh, you smell good and I will never hold that back. I love all these people. I'll be like digging my face in their ghee, like trying to pass like a knee slice. And I will literally stop in the middle of the roll and be like, oh, you smell great. Are you a, are you a talker during, are you like a, a nat, like a talker during a roll? I'm a talker in general. Yeah. I can't I, stop. I, I love to joke. <laughs> I'm almost always smiling. Even yep. if I'm in a bad position, I'll be like, oh, oh God, I thought we were friends. I got, somebody got that on right. video the I other day to. of me saying those words. Somebody was like trying to take my arm off and I'm like, oh, I thought we were friends. What's going on? And you, yeah. half of it is that's just the way I am, and I never shut up, and I love to joke. And then the other half is is a, just a little, maybe five percent of that is me trying to distract him so that he'll lose the position. So my thing is, 
don't get worked up right now. Like I may, I'm going to giggle while I sweep you so that you don't get mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it's a fun time for all. Yeah. I'm like, ha, 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 I did it again. Um, and it's, it, it just, it makes things sort of like looser. Yeah. Right. It's, it, I mean, I, obviously I've been in really high level training academies and, and training rooms or whatever you want to call them. I've trained with some of the best in the entire world. So, but again, there are times when I'll roll with a, a black belt, you know, legend world champion, and I'll be going for his foot, realize like, all right, this is a large foot. And I don't <laughs> think I'm ever going to hold this guy. So I'm just going to hold his foot up to my ear and be like, hello, it's for you. <laughs> um, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> I've, I've done that before. And um, or if someone stacks me and my foot's there, I'm like, Hello. <laughs> uh, I can't help it. It's just an alleviator, I guess, of, of tension. Um, but again, it could also create tension when you're sitting there like training for worlds and this dude's trying to win another black belt world title and, and you're not taking it seriously. So there's I know, definitely I know who I could joke with in the gym and I know who doesn't. Yeah, um, just one of my co-hosts, Junior, um, whenever we roll, uh, I'm like this with everybody, but with him, he doesn't he ignores it. As soon as yeah. we stop, then he's friendly, yeah. happy-go-lucky. But when he's rolling, he's all business. I, oh, I'll yeah. still try to joke with him. Like, I'm on a mission to get him to crack in the middle of a roll, mm-hmm. like to get him to laugh. <laughs> but he, he just he, he never breaks. I, 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 have, a, I have a question. I, I want a piece of advice as we're talking about the rolling uh, and asking somebody to roll. The way I do it now in my gym, and I actually do this when we partner up too, I know my, you know, my training partners were friends. Again, some of them are, are on the show. When we go to partner up or when it's like grab somebody, hey, you know, free roll or just we're going to roll. I never ask anybody to roll. I never ask anybody to partner. I pretty much walk over to the same little box that I walk over to, like kind of my corner. I'm not saying that I own the corner, but everybody just kind of knows I go to that uh-huh, corner uh-huh. when I'm there. I go to my little box and I just sit down and I wait. And sometimes it's funny because my coach, Felipe, will, will he'll start singing, all by myself. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so it's, it's a little bit of a joke, but because I, I only really, you know, not that I only want to roll with people who want to roll with me. It's I feel because I'm usually one of the larger guys in my class. Um, of the men, I'm almost always the biggest guy. We've got some new younger guys that are probably like at my weight. You know, the young guys work out a lot, but I usually, especially with with rolling. I'll wait for somebody to come to me. I can be done with the roll. And then again, I sit in my square and, and I wait. Am I doing, so, like, I don't want to feel like I am bullying anybody because when I'm talking about I'm 235, I'm like, a lot of the other guys are like 170, 165. Like they're much smaller than me. Am I taking the right approach? Should I not worry? Am I overthinking so, it? I would say that we're both marginalized, right? You're a big dude and I'm a small female. Um, so obviously certain roles are not going to be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you can learn something from everybody, mm-hmm. but in a, in a technical role, I, I feel that some, some matchups are just a waste of time. Um, so if I go with like a six foot three guy, that's like, you know, two seventy. I mean, I'm going to literally try to climb all over him and we're just going to laugh about it. It's mm-hmm. not really an intense, good okay. training role. Um, I found that I would find my, my usual people and that can be distressing because if that person isn't available or if her best friend comes to train and they, they pair up, I just stand there. I have literally been like reprimanded. Okay. 
there were times in competition classes, Cobrino would be like, Aaron, where's your partner? And I'm like, and then there was one time where it was like, the rule was, okay, if you can't find someone to roll with, then go in threes and just split up mm-hmm. the time. Okay. And I overthink everything. I will literally be like, but I just rolled with her. I, I don't want to roll with her again. Cause I, you know, I did well in that role. I don't want to have to repeat it. Or I just completely overthink things in my life. So um, I remember I'd go over to Lance and Stephanie. I hadn't rolled with either in that class, but Sarah, I already rolled with, and she was sitting over there. So I go, Lance, can I, can I just come in with you guys? And he's like, I'm trying to, trying to train hard for pants. <laughs> and he's like, just go roll with Sarah. And I was like, but I already rolled with Sarah. And he's like, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win pants. So I look at him and I go, you're not the only one who wants to win pants, Lance. And I go off, the, I go off the mat and I go sit in the chair in the waiting room part and just start crying. Um, it's just, I've been there. I've yeah. done that. I've done multiple things um, where it, it probably didn't look good. It probably wasn't the greatest response, but it was how I felt. And, you know, things, are, things especially for competition and stuff. But nowadays, um, people will ask me because I'm a high level. Um, and, or the, or the guys will use me as a rest role because I'm smaller and they can just overpower me. For the most part, I wait for people to ask. But in those situations where it's like, what happens if everyone pairs up and you don't have anybody? Mm-hmm. It's like, you sit there and you're like, should I just pretend like I had to go to the bathroom? Um, should I just like try to go in three? Should I ask? So for you, since you train at the same place every time, you should know the people that you can train with. Yeah. And you should always ask them. What we used to do, and also at Unity, I trained at Unity for a bit. And what they do, which is so nerve wracking, besides keeping the windows closed and making it hot as hell, um, they would tell you in between the, dr- the the drilling and the training to pick your partners. So literally, everyone goes around, and goes oh, oh, first, first, third, you want my third? Oh, you you my fourth? Okay. And it's super stressful, but at the same time, it it creates this uh this good schedule, I guess, for everyone to be on. And then when the next roll happens, you're just like, all right, there's my dude, there's my dude, there's my dude. So people have different ways of going about this. There are also classes which I love when the professor or the instructor chooses. Mm. and says okay everybody line up right, yeah, you like go yeah. with you you go with you i'm like oh my god because i don't like rejection yeah. i don't in any capacity so yeah there's a lot of things that i don't ask so what i suggest is having your people and then counting them out and be like hey brian you want to go number one all right cool hey hey stephanie number two you know you, you just figure yeah. out um that role now if you were to ask someone um it's more and how they react is more a reflection of them than you you obviously have a good reputation at the gym, right? I mean, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I hurt I, anyone. I'm a big guy. I mean, you know, again, it's like I, I think a lot of times. A lot of times, I t- I try to tell people, I'm big, and again, this is not a cockiness. I am squishy. Sometimes I have to. I'm working just as hard, especially when I'm rolling with somebody small. Mm-hmm. As a big guy, and look, I've got a little bit of a gut, but I, you know, I'm I I'm in relatively totally good shape. I've got the the, the belly. I'm. Sometimes with a smaller person, I'm working just as hard to not like put all my weight on you. Like I'm not going to roll with you to say I'm not going to put all of my weight down on you in certain instances because I know I may hurt you. So I kind of feel sometimes again with a smaller person and I get this is part of jujitsu and and I, I, I know it, but I don't think that they realize sometimes I'm working just as hard, you know, like to go at not 50 percent effort, 
but like 50% of my weight. Does that make sense? Like I may not, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me not put all my weight on you because I'm really going to hurt you, Mr. You know, 165. Or again, if it's a female. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got to work kind of both. Okay. Let, you know, or catch yourself when you're getting aggressive. Okay. I need to slow it down. You know, we're not at pants. We're, we're in the gym and we're supposed to be learning. Mm-hmm. So th- there's kind of both sides of that. And look, I'm, none of this is about me being the, I, I have plenty to learn. I am not the best in my gym at, yeah, no, at any level. This is just, you know, kind of, uh, I, I always kind of like to understand the mindset of, of the other people, of, of the people on the other side and, and get, yeah. you know, get the, the, the jujitsu dummies. I'm the dummy here. I want to learn, you know, right. I, it, this is about me kind of asking questions and learning even when somebody might say, well, you should know this already. What do you just, just ask somebody to roll. I do like to get into people's heads a little bit and understand it. So that, that that's yeah. why I asked the question. But you know, again, sometimes I'm working just as hard to to be careful. Uh, you said, "Do I have a good reputation?" Yes, but I'm the big guy, so my coach will be like, "Milton, stop being a bully." You know, so yeah, yeah. like I have that little bit of, you know, that bully thing that follows me. Like because he says it, then I'm the bully. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's kind of drawn me back a little bit from like I don't want to be the bully. I don't want to hear that, yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah. say, you know, you want to. And I am, I know that I am great at letting somebody attack. I, the smaller person, I'm usually going to pull guard. I'm going to let yep. them attack. I'm going to let them work. And yeah, I might catch them in something, but I'm not going to take, make the same effort as I would of somebody of, mm-hmm. you know, some around the same One weight or experience. One thing I like to say is people think, oh, you have to train differently with a female versus a male. Well, that's not necessarily true. You have to train differently for every single person you roll with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll differently with someone who's a white belt someone who's a small white belt versus a a big white belt versus a strong white belt versus a white belt that was a wrestler versus a, Mm. uh, you know, hobbyist purple belt, someone who just wants to come in and, you know, be, be physical and have the camaraderie. Um, I'm going to have to roll differently with a, 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 you know, a, a professional black belt competitor versus, you know, so everyone that you roll with is going to be different. And, you know, just like with be serious or not. It's a different puzzle every time. You said puzzles before. You were talking about puzzles. It is it's a, a puzzle. Different puzzle every time. I love puzzles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you just you find that out, and honestly, it's a lot of social, which yeah. it sticks out to me because I have social anxiety too. So it's I'm constantly just like you, wondering what is that other person thinking? Yeah. What is that yeah. other person feeling? Because I never like. There's a lot of people. Um, Marcelo Garcia has a great story. He used to yell at me for having restaurants. And I was like, I don't know. I had to go to the bathroom or, you know, everyone was taken, you know, and then I start taking it really personally and I'm like, they didn't want to roll with me. So he goes, Aaron, no one liked rolling with me when I was coming up because I rolled so hard. And he goes, you have to make them roll with you. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Marcelo was the bully and did not care, yeah. you know, because he knew that he was also an asset because he was, you know, tough and good. And he was just a, a driven guy obviously really good, but you know, he would beat everyone up and they didn't want to roll with them. So there's so many different reasons and you know, that people are not, don't want to roll with you or don't want to roll in general or don't want to roll with the person like you. And it's hard not to take it personally. Yeah. Very, very hard, you know, but yeah, everyone's a different person and how you speak to someone is going to be different. You're going to go, Hey Dick, versus hello how are you you know i mean on the same in the same way korea was very big on manners and polite and you when you go on the mat you shake everyone's hand and you say how are you you know and and everyone would do it but a lot of times it felt fake or when he would come on the mat you're like okay i'm great how are you 
you know, when Korea comes and shakes your hand and it sort of just makes you like nervous, you know, and I, and I, and I realized that, yes, it's good to have, have uh, boundaries and to have uh, manners on the mat. But at the same time, I'm like, sometimes I just want to go in and roll. I don't yeah. want to have to be a senator <laughs> yeah. every time yeah. I step on the mat, you know. So are, are you going to be competing again? We talked about competing a few times, you know. You, yeah. I, so when I wasn't really training, I was trying to train a little bit here and there. Ian Sanders, I'd opened a gym and it was like me and him. He's a really good black belt, but a lot of just white belts. And uh, I decided to go on submissions on the shore. They were doing all female events. And it was more so like, wow, not only is not like no one having events in COVID, this is an all female thing. So I did, I did that about two weeks in a row. They invited me on again, lost both times. Um, I lost my first match on the first one. And the second one was, was a bracket and I won my first lost the second. And it, you know, it's hard not to feel like, Oh God, I'm a black belt. And I just lost to a purple belt. Um, Fatima Klein, she just got signed with Invicta. She heel hooked me. She was smaller than me. I felt like I could do anything to her. And I just let her heel hook me. And I was like, Oh crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had been training. And then I got invited that same weekend that I fought on submission on the shore to be on submission underground, uh, chill Sonnen's. Mm-hmm. And so that was more of like, Oh, well, you know, I love Amanda Lowen. She's a great competitor, great person, and she needs to have a fight. So I'll, I'll give her the match and I'll get paid either way, whether I win or I lose. Lost that one. That was on Fight Pass. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, in the last three weeks, I competed three times and I lost three times. Mm. That was really, really hard. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not really part of any gym except for dynamics, which is mostly MMA. So I, I choose not to subscribe anymore in the politics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sort of took a step back from Cobrinas. I'm no longer going there. It was just sort of, it was so intense. And I always felt like I was never putting in enough. And, and it's not the place where you go if you want to compete and also take, take you know, the, the undertrained route versus the overtrained route. Mm-hmm. And then Hamalo, you know, I tried going back with him and he's like, well, you got to wear a Gracie Baja gi. You got to sign up for Gracie Baja. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do that. So it's been really difficult for me to find a place where I feel like, um, I can just go in and, and, and be respected for who I am, what I've done and not have to subscribe. And so competing in the future, I mean, I would more so want it to be MMA, but if I did it, it would be for like a good cause if I, mm-hmm. if I competed again, um, cause I'm not training heavily. Do I want to? Yeah. Because I'm trying to pass the firefighter physical test. If I still want to go that route and I have to pass the physical, which is extremely hard, um, I have to be in shape and I'm not the person that just goes in my backyard and lifts those weights by myself. Mm-hmm. It has to be part of like a group or, you know, someone telling me what to do or just simply having fun, like in jujitsu and then getting in shape in the meantime. So competing is not necessarily on my, my, my radar right now, right now it's trying to take this time to go back to school, to pursue career options that will allow me to still have my passions. I'm looking into doing a master's program for sports psychology because mental health, sport, right? Submit the stigma mm-hmm. is both. It's combining yeah. the two and realizing just like you, I like coaching. I, I really like helping people, even if it's just that one little concept that they need in their training or their mindset. So I struggled a lot with my competition. I, I lose because I get nervous. I lose because I don't think I'm enough. Honey, my dog. But I lose because I'm not in the right headspace. I'm not confident. I'm not I don't think I belong there. There's so many things that go into it. And uh, I, I had a sports psychologist for a bit, but for me, I, I think I'm better off being that person for someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, being, I'm a really good cheerleader. A lot of people can attest to that, but doing it myself, I always wanted to be the black belt world champion. Always. 
And then I remember um, I was competing and I was at the world. My first time as a black belt and I looked around and, and I go, I don't really relate to these people. Like, I know I don't have to be one of you to like to win and, and, and be a black belt world champion, but I'm not willing to take the sacrifices. And that goes down to, you know, uh, no family time, no this. I did that. It didn't really work as well because I'm still a nervous wreck when I fight. But when I, when you're like, all right, well, that person's doing steroids and that person's, you know, doing this sacrifice and that person doesn't get sleep because they, they believe that, yeah, we got to be there all day and train all day. And dude, if you feel feverish because you're overtraining or you lose relationships or things in your life are suffering, like that's not a sacrifice that I'm willing to make anymore. I'm 31 mm -hmm. now. Um, I want to have a family. I want to have all those things. And I did that for the 10 years and, and all of my twenties was spent towards jujitsu and I didn't get to where I wanted to be necessarily, but I also started out as a white belt saying, I want to be a black belt world champion. So everything I did was that, Yeah, you know, I'm telling my, I'm not doing talking. I'm doing, telling my producer to take a picture. You if you saw that, I might take a picture. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so get a little girl, yeah. <laughs> um, you, we just, uh, we did a, a podcast earlier today. I told you we had one other one today with uh, uh, Brendan McCatherine. And he kind of said something he kind of just said what you said, you know, he's an Eddie Bravo, a black belt. And it's like, basically jujitsu, his jujitsu is for him. His jujitsu mm -hmm. is not about proving that I'm the best. It's, I know I'm good. I don't have to prove it anymore. And, and I think that it, it sounds to me like, again, you know, I started jujitsu later in life, but jujitsu has always been for me. I competed a very little bit in the beginning up until I had a heart attack. I competed once after that. And then I just kind of said, I need to, it's just not the same. My cardio is not the same. I can't get it to the same place. The meds that I was on, but this is, doesn't mean I quit jujitsu. It just means I'm going to find the, the right place for me. I'm at a gym where people can compete and you don't have to compete. We train together. Uh, we have people that compete come in and you can go down to Miami and train in Cyborg's gym. And that's great. We have access to that. You don't have to pay anything more. Just go down. It's available to you. My jujitsu is for me. And I'm yeah. not scared to, to say that, you know, uh, people want to label us as hobbyists. Great. I'm a hobbyist. My, this is what I, this is what I, I bring to jujitsu is spreading the word like this and, you know, uh, awarding jujitsu scholarships to kids, which we've done. Um, it, it's for me. I, I no longer, I don't, not no longer because I definitely did not get to the level that you've gotten in competition and what Brandon's done. But this is, this is for me, this is my experience and nobody's going to tell me what my experience can be. You know, so, you know, I'm a hobbyist. I'm hopefully, you know, maybe one day I'll compete when I can, you know, do jujitsu full time. But until I could do that, that that's not happening because, you know, you, you need to be training a lot more than I do to get on that mat. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of said something along the, the lines of what Brendan said. I have nothing to prove to anybody. I'm at this point in my jujitsu and it's about me having fun every day and going to do what I love. He's like, it's like playing pickup basketball. I get to go and play pickup basketball at my gym every single day. I'm rolling around doing jujitsu with people that I love and that's good enough for me. And that's all I need from this, you know, so I it's kind of a simple answer. And I, and I will say that I'm not at that level yet. I am still kind of like mourning the loss okay. of not getting to that point. Okay. But also, yeah, right now, of course, I'm a hobbyist for yeah. sure. But I always felt like within myself, like I wanted to be a star. I had something to prove. I wanted to be the one that everybody's talking about. I want to have the most followers on Instagram. I want to have the interviews and I want people to be sharing my stuff all the time saying I'm their idol. And you can't really force that. And it's not like I can't continue to do that. I mean, I could take a couple of years off, go to school and even get right back to it. Right. Yeah. But, but it's, it's definitely like, I'm, 
I'm still kind of like parting with that because there's still a part of me that's like, I want to be somebody. <laughs> but, uh, it, I can't, you know, it, it's, I, I'm well, giving what yeah. I can. I, I, so, I, so what yeah. is what you're saying? You do want to get back to that competition scene though. You do have that itch still. Or, I don't or, want to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, well <laughs> my point is going to be, there's another part of that question is being where you've gotten to or getting to where you've gotten in jujitsu and now bringing kind of like what I'm saying, I'm bringing the podcast, I'm bringing the mm-hmm. foundation. Do you think that submit the stigma fills that like you're still bringing something to the world or does the, do you really need the competition side as well to, to make you feel a certain way about jujitsu or about yourself? Can, can it be like, well, I may not do that and I might not have gotten to exactly where I want, but look at this thing that I did. I brought the submit the stigma. I'm helping people in this way through jujitsu. Isn't that just as, isn't that more valuable than becoming a champion and doing it for myself versus doing this thing for other people? It is. And I'm Mm -hmm. almost there. And I know Mm -hmm. that people idolize me for that reason, for Mm -hmm. being vulnerable, for being transparent about my mental health. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to help a lot more people. I know that. And I've helped a lot of people. I mean, I have so much validation but for whatever reason, it comes down to wanting to be cool. <laughs> I swear to you. I swear. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Like, I just want to be cool. I want people to be like, she's so cool. I want to be like her. Like, I don't think I could ever do that because she achieved this. I don't think I could ever do that. You know? But I mean, you know, I think, I think no matter, I think you'll always have people that'll look at you that way because how many people really always get to that pinnacle of anything they do jujitsu or otherwise, right, right, right. you know, right. Somebody's got to win. There's only going to be like that one champion, you know, it's, <laughs> but, you know, but that's, but that's also what, what you just described, how you just describe yourself is what makes a champion. Somebody that has that. It's like, I, I have to, I have to achieve that. I'm not going to feel complete unless I do. But I, I mean, I would say to you, you do have women that look up to you and you're going to have and, and guys that look up to you and, and look at what you've done and what you've accomplished. And then again, for me as a business person, a podcaster, uh, you know, somebody who runs a foundation. I look at what you're doing, you know, again, well, she started to submit the same. I could do this while well, my thing could be like that. So I'm looking at you like that too. You know, this is Am new cool for though? us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, I love talking to people who can make me feel a certain way about continuing what I'm doing and, and it almost validates what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's, I think with jujitsu, because we're this kind of weird, like community, like the community so big, but so small. Like every, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still, sometimes I look at my phone and the people that I have in my phone now, it's just like odd to see the names that I have in there of, of people that we've spoken to or that we're going to speak to. Um, but I look at what I'm doing and I forget, I forget the codes. I, I had a higher belt tell, say something like this to me. It's just like, uh, uh, Felipe really talking about, I'm, I just want to spread the word of jujitsu. And I know a lot of people say that, but he really does. He encourages you out to get, go out there and get the knowledge. If I come right. in and, you know, I've uh, said, hey, can we have this guy come in? Uh, Warriors Next Adventures coming in in a couple of months to do some filming. And I was like, he wants to do kind of an open mat with us? You know, let's put this together. I feel so good about having, we spread the word. I put two more people together that didn't know each other. I love that yeah. side. I love uh, helping somebody who might, you know, maybe have a problem paying with jujitsu or could just be... Um, you know, kind of feel validated in what they're doing. Like we had a young girl who's raising money with tap cancer out. Uh, her mother yeah. has cancer and we awarded her a scholarship. It was like, keep on doing what you're doing, young lady. Like keep on doing that. And we gave her the scholarship. Like I feel like I'm bringing, and I'm not, this isn't me tooting my horn. I feel just as good about bringing those things to jujitsu because 
you know, I'm not in my 20s. I'm not going to be doing competition for, you know, from my 20s to my 30s. I'm on the tail end of what most people, like most people's involvement in jujitsu. It's like, well, when I'm 40, I'm barely going to the gym. And meanwhile, I'm at 40 going, I just want to get to the gym more. So I just, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like in our world, because it's so small, uh, it's so big and so small at the same time that just bringing anything to jujitsu, the furtherment of jujitsu, is that a word? Furtherment? Furtherment of jujitsu is such a good thing. So hats off to you for what you've done and what you're doing. And, you you know, so I can, I know that when we spoke, uh, submit the stigma may not have been like completely on the the forefront of what you were doing. Where is that in your life right now? Are you still pushing forth with that? You know, is there anything you want to tell us about that? I, it started as a campaign. So it started as me holding up a sign that said, hashtag submit the stigma mental illness. Mm-hmm. It was about bringing mental health awareness to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, because just with, like I told you, like I overtrained a lot. There was a lot of just like, nope, you got to be here no matter what, you know, and me feeling like there's literally no perfect excuse as to why I can't train. It it wasn't okay to say I'm tired. It wasn't okay to say, you know what, I'm really sore. It wasn't okay to say all those things. And my mental health deteriorated because of that. And also through jujitsu, I learned about myself and my mental illnesses and how to get help and all those things. I took that journey because of the confidence I got from Mm jujitsu. Now I want to bring it to a more grandiose scale. What I did was I took mental health to jujitsu. Now I want to take jujitsu to mental health. So ideally I would get, I would do it right this time. I, even though we've been a 501c3 registered uh, since 2016, I believe, um, I really want to make it big. I want to have a board of directors. I want to have an executive plan, a strategic plan. I want to have fundraising and I want to do something where we're looking to psychiatrists and psychologists and saying, hey, why don't you get your clients involved in jujitsu? Because it's very very therapeutic and it's when it's side by side with professional health my whole thing has been jujitsu is not therapy it's therapeutic but it is not therapy it does not take the place of professional health and i've always Mm -hmm. tried to get people go to professional health that's what you need whether it's medication whether it's cognitive you know therapy just talking things out Uh, there's so many different ways to go about that but care about your mental health because that's what's going to win you tournaments that's what's going to keep you on the map it's like I had to yell at people to be like, go to the doctor. Your knee hurts. Training on it isn't going to help. You're just going to, you know. So no, that like, doesn't help? It, it's, <laughs> it's stubborn. But, like, work through you the know, pain. It's, like, it's like, dude, if you feel like you've physically prepared, but yet you get so nervous, you shit your pants before you get on the mat, like, that's something that can be addressed. You can go to a doctor for that. You can figure that out. So now what I want to do is make it really grand and get a network of psychologists that will be ambassadors for jujitsu rather than just having ambassadors in jujitsu that are also involved in mental health. I think it's time to take it to a more like clinical level. And it's never been about money for me. And that's why we had these talks and, you know, they're like, well, where's the money go? And I'm like, well, nowhere yet. You know, I I ship out patches, I ship out shirts, things like that. Um, But we aren't running seminars. We aren't doing webinars. We aren't doing those things that I used to take with education. I just want to educate, make people aware, Mm -hmm. make people comfortable to just be like, you know what? I'm really ang- like anxious right now and I don't think I can do that role. Just just anything that that is self-preservation. And above all, what you were talking about is with, with people and like the betterment of jujitsu and furthering it. I always care about being a good person. When there were people who were champions, but they were dicks, I mean, I, I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Those were the people that were getting the most sponsors. Those are the people that were getting the most uh, plat- the biggest platform for their voice and they weren't using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I wanted. And initially when I went into to MMA, 
like I said, when I started uh, jiu-jitsu, I wanted to be a black belt world champion. If I started MMA saying I want to be the UFC champion, I mean, that's such a slim chance that it's going to get to that point. It would, it would ignore everything that I would do on the way. And it would ignore any accomplishments on the way. So I never, I never wanted to have this grandiose destination. I want to have a destination. My only thing was I wanted to get in the UFC so I could win a fight and have Joe Rogan talk to me. So one, I could say, <laughs> I, you know, Fear Factor brought my family together at dinner time. Um, I love you for that. But also being able to speak about mental health and bring some of the stigma on that stage because there are a lot of people who find MMA, find Jiu-Jitsu, find martial arts because their mental health, they needed something. They needed mm-hmm. something to help them. And so, yeah, the right, they, they came in for the right reason, but sometimes when they're not in the right gym, when they're not able to understand why they're feeling a certain way, that martial art actually ends up not helping them. And for me, it, it made me very bitter. You know, being in a competition scene made me bitter about it. So Smith of Stigma, I want to grow it. I want it to be a board of directors. I want it to have an actual nonprofit. So I'm taking a course online right now on nonprofit management. Cool. And from there, if I go through sports psychology, then, you know, that, that just opens uh, up. Bring everything together. Thing. Yeah. Being, being a mental coach is, is huge. So I want to be there for other people who, who, who like, I have the potential, I have the potential to be a black belt world champion. I know that, but I couldn't put it all together. And if I could do that for someone else who feels that they have it in them to be this world champion and then have them be a good person yeah. and use that platform. I mean, I just, uh, my heart, <laughs> like, Oh, I just, I can't wait. That's awesome. Well, anything that we can do here on the show, anytime you want to come back on, if you've got, you know, when you're ready to talk about stuff or something's launching or you have an event or anything, just keep us in the loop. Let us know. We'll always have you back on, but I'm not going to let you go. We're going to do a little speed round of questions. These are just a, I call it a speed round. It's not, doesn't mean that you have to answer them quickly. Um, I'm I'm just going to let you answer them though. (laughs) Uh, If we want to elaborate, we can. Um, we asked these, uh, what do we got about six questions or variations of these that we ask typically almost every guest. So, okay, we're going to go with the first one is if you could go back in time, what would you tell the white belt you? Uh, stop crying. (laughs) Why were you crying? I was the only girl and no one understood me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So number two, other than achieving the rank of black belt, what is your ultimate goal in jujitsu? I think we just kind of spoke about that a little bit. Which is the stigma. Just being right. a, a good person and showing that you can get to that level and mm-hmm. be a good person at the same time. Beautiful. Perfect. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? The jujitsu related thing that's happened to you on the mat or in competition? Oh God. Um, Honestly, that's a really hard question. Um, Cause I don't know if to go like the embarrassing route. We've had or... both. We've had oil <laughs> checks. We've had people throwing up. Um, I think we might've had somebody poop in their pants a little bit. Um, yeah. Anything, whatever, I mean, whatever you want to share. What was the word? What kind of experience? What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? Craziest. God, that's so subjective. Weird, I mean, weirdest, craziest, oddest. Um, that, that all fits. Oh, I will say, okay, we'll make it a good thing. So when I went to Toronto, I used to go to Canada for all the Abu Dhabi trials. Nowadays, it's you go to all the different tournaments and you get ranked and then mm-hmm. that's, that's who gets the travel package. But at the time, it was you had to go to this event, you had to win this division, and then you had to win the open division um, to get the ticket. And so we would go to Canada because it was we were on the East Coast at the time. And I went there and there was a girl getting a documentary filmed about her. 
and she was a purple belt. She was in my division. And I'm thinking, okay, like I'm in the final with her. I have to beat her to get the ticket. But if I don't beat her in a good fashion, then of course it's a Canadian ref. I'm in Canada. It's Canadian organization, right? They want her to win. She got a documentary about her. And the whole match, she was going double unders and I was just like defending, trying to do something. So it was a really, really close match. And I was like, I, of course I didn't get it, you know? So I'm waiting to get my hand raised. All of a sudden they choose me and I just like drop. And so I have these pictures of me just like freaking out, <laughs> running to, to Gianni. Um, We're going to do a know, screen capture girl, of that face right there, like, just so oh. you know. <laughs> so the girl just does that. I have plenty. plenty I'm competing. And so my brother-in-law actually made a picture. So from Anchorman, when all of the anchors are jumping up, <laughs> Photoshop me in it because it looks like I'm just like, oh my God. Uh, um, so yeah, that was an amazing, amazing experience. Also, it was like being the the, the person who wasn't supposed to win, mm. who who won. And that was like my third or fourth trip to Abu Dhabi. So I did mean, that, that documentary was, ever come out? That's what I want to know. I don't know. It was in Canada. <laughs> I, I should ask her. They scrapped now, right? it. They like, scrapped yeah, it I crushed your yeah. dreams. They um, were like, okay, like, okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wrap. Yeah. I mean, it was like the athletic journey and the, the, the downfalls and the, uh, you know, the ups and downs. And I gave her the, the down part. You, ru- but, uh, you ruined her it was, experience. You it was a good journey. Photoshop. You ruined her life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question is, what is your biggest regret as it relates to jujitsu? This is always the hardest one, just so you know. This I've actually moved it from number one to number four because it's always hard. Yeah, but it takes what, a warm up. Yeah, right? what is your biggest regret as it relates to jujitsu? Um I would say that I didn't start teaching at a place because mm. being like I started I, I did like a whole European tour as a brown belt female. Mm. That was huge. And mostly just because I asked for it. I said, hey, can I teach a seminar? Can I teach a seminar? I mean, I pushed it. I went hard. So even when I got an Australia tour, I had black belt female world champions going, how did you get that many seminars? Right? So just because you're good doesn't mean that you're going to get the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that the seminars I really enjoyed teaching, I was always afraid to commit to teaching at one place. So I wish that I had that experience because I'm, I've been a black belt since 2017 and I have no one under me. I don't know what it's like to teach someone throughout their journey. I don't know what it's like to have a white belt come in and be like, I know nothing. How do I start? I don't know. Um, and I, I plan to one day have a curriculum for that, but I don't know what that's like. And I've been part of it. I've coached teammates. I've done, you know, done those things, but I've never had someone under me because I was afraid to commit. And I've had opportunities to teach at gyms, but I was like, Ew, that sounds boring. I'd rather go mm. to a different place every time to teach. Mm. So I wish I had that okay. experience now. Okay. That's a great answer. I I, I feel that again, that you, yeah. you I think we're alike in that we like imparting knowledge. That's a big part of it seems like a big part of your mm-hmm. personality. And, and and that's mine too. As a matter yeah. of fact, uh, Felipe before the quarantine was talking to like everybody this. about, yeah, hey, how you doing? I'm New York, I told you. <laughs> um you know, he's talked about uh, who wanted to coach and then COVID came and he was like, I'm going to start doing these coaching classes. I was right. like, I'm, I'm in. And then COVID. Uh, course, okay. This is the last question. Okay. Now this is going to be 
probably one of the most important questions. Everybody's probably getting sick of me saying it this way. <laughs> this is probably one of the most important questions that you will ever answer in your jujitsu career. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you're going to do. This is the most important question here. This is the one that everybody stayed tuned to this point in the podcast to get the answer on. I got to deliver. Do you deliver. or do you not wash your belt? I do. Yes! <laughs> Two team wash your belts today. There's a problem with the answer, though, because the only time anybody tells me they wash their belt is when I'm doing the podcast by myself, so I don't get to rub it in the faces of my non-belt-washing co- yeah. co-host. <laughs> I'm rubbing that them is, proverbially. Uh, gross. So when I was a white belt, I think I did it, but, like, I mean, everyone's gross at white belt. They're still learning. But especially as a black belt, like, maybe not, like, every time. But after maybe like two or three, absolutely. Mm. It does not wash your knowledge away. <laughs> if you your knowledge was washed away because you put your belt in a washing machine, I would say that that really questions your knowledge in the first place. She just send the belt um, to the competition. It's gross. I have, I've had staff probably like 10 times. Oh. I am very susceptible to it. I had I my have first skin one this year. All the time, okay? Mm. All the time. I get invitigo, staph, rashes. I have eczema. I'm not taking chances. Yeah. And it's very, very easy to spread stuff. So, yeah, that's just... Thank you. Gross, people. Yes. That's gross. <laughs> yes. And there are plenty other Thank weird things. I'm saying. Things, but when it affects other people, you're gross. There you go. Awesome. Last, <laughs> uh, Leslie, do you have any shout-outs, yeah, sponsors, anybody you want to say hello yeah. to? This is your time. So, Submit the stigma mm-hmm. is stigma.org. You can go check out there. I've been meaning to make a new website. Um, it has right now, all it is is a story of my dad, my dad's life where he didn't get help and the way that it ended in suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to move it away from that. I'm trying to move it less about my dad and my personal experiences because I have so many stories. There are stories on the Instagram for submit the stigma. If you go there, you will read about people just like you who have used jujitsu for therapeutic reasons or have gone through stuff and how they've triumphed because of jujitsu and also hyperfly. I've been with them for five years. Um, they've been the best. The only gi I will ever wear is the hyperlight because I can travel, compete in it, everything like that. So shout out to them. Um, I actually use their fanny pack instead of a purse. Mm-hmm. Again, going with that whole tomboy thing. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I have a boyfriend, I swear. But um, when, yeah, so just with the Sigma, Hyperfly are my biggest ones, and Technique. I yes. just signed up on Technique. Please go on there and get my brilliant advice because no one has yet because I haven't been pushing it enough. But if you are on Technique, I mean, if you, you will get knowledge, of course. I got a mm-hmm. lot of knowledge. I've trained with many world champions, um, but also I'm pretty funny. So. <laughs> There you want a go. good time, <laughs> and you want to learn, I got you. Technique.io, everyone. It's at, at, on Instagram, at technique.io, and the website is technique.io, T-E-K-N-E-E-K. I, I think I said it before to you that they are a sponsor of the show as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we, we've had some fun doing some uh, some reviews at the end of the episodes. So yeah. uh, we're, we we're doing that every once in a while. So. All right, listen, I'm going to let you go. We're going to wrap it up on this end. Thank you so much for doing this. Again, open invitation anytime you want to come on, anything Absolutely. you want to talk about. Or, you know, I don't care if you don't have anything going on. I, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of other things we could talk about. We could shoot the shit stories. about jujitsu. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And uh, I'll let, I'll take, we have the first episode we did today will come out next Tuesday, Wednesday. 
And then okay. you're going to come out the next week. So it'll be a week before this comes out. We put them out like okay. once a week. Um, we're at three a month now is, is usually how we do it. So we kind of put awesome. a, at least a week between them. Yeah. So, um, so again, thank you. I'll tag thank you. We'll you. stay in touch and I uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Am I hanging up now? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it. Everyone else is going to stick around and we're going to do a little housekeeping, go over our okay, sponsors. Thank you, All Aaron. Right. I appreciate you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Awesome. She was fun. Very cool. Yeah, she's awesome. She's funny. I love her. I think we could have stayed on. If you hadn't she's told good. me we're running out of space on our, on our SD card. That's why I said it, because I, I could see that that just... I would have kept on going. We she, could be here all awesome. night just, ch- just chatting away. Yeah, so. no, you know me. I love talking jiu-jitsu, man. But well, we got so five many. left, so... Okay, yeah, we're going to do... Uh, let's, let me just put on our, our logo scroll. Frawl and roll. And um, we'll uh, make sure it's looping. He's okay. a frawl and roll. Okay, and uh, that's it. And we'll do our little housekeeping bit. All right, guys, thank you so much for sticking around. Um, as always, uh, you know, if you want to support the foundation, check out the GoFundMe link in the description, either on the podcast or on YouTube. Um, you can always go to at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram and it ha- just click on the link in our bio. It has access to everything that we're doing. Anything that you, you want to suggest a, a guest, you want to uh, support Amazon us on Amazon Smile, everything that we do, it's all there. If that's too confusing and you want to do- donate to the foundation, Go to on Instagram, go to at the JJD Foundation or on Facebook, just facebook.com forward slash and then just type out the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. You can actually donate uh, this donate button at the top of the page on both of those. You can donate directly through. Uh, and anyone that donates $50 or for every $50, I should say, for every $50 you donate, you can get a free embroidered belt or a coffee mug. Both show them the mug. Mug. You, it's actually that that's the older mug with the older version of the logo. There is a newer version that looks similar, but the foundation is a different font. You can get a mug or a an, an embroidered belt. So say an embroidered mug that wouldn't work. An embroidered belt to watch. <laughs> Check out the <laughs> podcast store, jujitsudummies.shop. Get 15% off with code JJD. We put up a new podcast T-shirt. We've got face shields, backpacks, coffee mugs, rash guards, ranked rash guards. So you got everything there. All of that stuff helps support the show. Free shipping on orders over 50 bucks. Uh, don't forget to check out Fight Pack CBD. Again, Bo, give them a shot. Fight Pack CBD. Mm-hmm. We're getting a, they've also got bath bombs. They've got roll-on CBD. We're going to get some more of the products to show here, but it's not just the, the bottles of CBD. Everybody check out all of their products, and you get 20% off. Your online order with yeah, we need JJD. to fill that up a little more. There's yeah, this yeah, kind I'm, of sparse. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, it's coming, but you know, uh, we've uh, we're just waiting on Justin. We really and appreciate it. It was crazy out there in Texas. You know, he's in Texas. Oh, so I know, just I went know, to I the freeze. Oh, he's still alive. He's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned Amazon Smile again. Uh, you know, you can go to Amazon, go to your settings, update it to Amazon Smile, and a portion of every purchase uh, of every one of your Amazon purchases will give us like. Uh, it's like 0.05% of your overall purchase. It goes directly to the foundation. And what does the foundation do? We award scholarships to kids, first responders, and veterans. Okay? So we've got two sponsored children so far that are both getting one-year scholarships. We've been paying for their jujitsu every single month. But uh, we're going to also uh, get a, a veteran scholarship out very soon. All right? Um, Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. That is Bo. Yo. Go ahead, give him a handle, whichever handle. Lefty, uh, yours. Let's do. Let's do at handy with handy underscore wisdom on IG. And you'll get to meet his uh, alter ego. My alter, alter ego. All right, guys. Listen, we're gonna let you go. Thank you for watching. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Oops. Oops.